What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It is Friday, July 29th, 2022. And I'm your host, as always, The Pody. I am once again for, what is this, the third straight episode. I am on location down here in sunny South Carolina, although this will be my last night here. We are headed back home in the morning, back to Jersey. So there's that. So uh, yeah, this will be my last episode from here. There is a lot to talk about, a lot of baseball to get to some NFL contract news to get to, some weird clauses that have been uh, going on with, with, with with these big contracts of late. I'll get into that. Um, the captain, the ESPN uh, 30 for 30, whatever you want to call it, documentary series has been going on as well. Um, episodes three and four recently just aired. Five and six will air what, August 3rd, maybe? Um, I, I, to be truthful, I have not, uh, watched past episode one just yet. I'm on vacation playing a lot of golf every day. Um, so there's really not been a whole lot of time. And then of course I've been watching big brother, not sports related, but it's a competition show. So it feels like a sport. I get really into that every summer. There's that, um, you know, watching movies at night with my grandparents and whatnot. Um, so keeping them entertained, trying to catch subway series, Yankees and Mets, although that was kind of a shit show, if you will. Um, yeah. And then we'll get to at the latter part of the show, I will update you on, um, the latest in news, I guess, and, and what's going on with Brittany Griner and this whole um, Russia saga. The U.S. has now publicly offered up a prisoner. So it's a a whole back and forth, but we'll get into that. Um, We'll get into baseball. We'll get into football. We'll get into some basketball, and we'll get into it right now. So without further ado, let's jump in. Episode 179 of This Week in Sports. Here we go. Okay, and without, well, before I jump in, it's only fitting that we have some breaking news uh, from the NBA, they have uh, opened an investigation into the 76ers for possible tampering and early contract uh, and early contact with summer free agent signings. I believe this has to do um, with PJ Tucker, most notably. So, yeah, there's that. Um, I don't have a whole lot of information on that, but that just popped up on my phone right off the top, right off the bat. So, uh, yeah. But without further ado, we'll jump in and talk some Subway series between the Mets and the Yankees taking place in City Field for a little two-game uh, series there between the Yankees and Mets. And game one, you had Jordan Montgomery versus Taiwan Walker, and the Yankees 
got off to a extremely hot start. I don't know how else you you, you can uh, chalk it up, but it was everything that you wish for if you're a Yankees fan. First inning, Tuesday, Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo, they go back to back. Take a listen. Kicks up and he's so smooth. The 3 2 pitch is drilled to deep right center field, and that is the way this Subway Series starts. Number 38 for Aaron Judge. He hit three over the weekend in Baltimore. He had been slumping very slightly in the week or so prior to that. And he connects in his first at-bat here at City Field. Well, that'll get the crowd going here both ways. Yankees fans cheering, Mets fans booing. Hey, kid, you weren't around in 62. It could be a lot worse. Anthony Rizzo now drives one to deep left, and that ball is gone. Had to wait for a moment to see if it would hit the top of the wall. But instead, over the head of Canna in left and barely over the fence. It's number 23 for Rizzo. We told you the Yankees lead the majors. Two of their first hitters take it out of the yard. That was just a line drive in the left field. Something I notice here. Both hitters going opposite. So, yeah, Yankees getting off to a blistering start in the first inning off Taiwan Walker. And you're thinking, oh, boy, this is going to be great. Yankees are going to go on and win this game quite easily, right? Well, wrong. The Mets came right back in the bottom half with four runs of their own. Um, I believe Marte, yeah, Marte led off with a solo shot. Then you had Lindor reaching base. Then uh, with maybe like a double and then Alonzo, I know, hit a RBI double to get it to two. And then right before you know it, Eduardo Escobar came to the plate and did this. A drive to deep left. Back goes Hicks. All they can do is watch it leave. Yeah, that's right. All he could do was watch it leave. Eduardo Escobar leaves the yard for a two-run shot. And in the blink of an eye, if you got up in between those that that half inning when the Yankees went up 2 nothing to go maybe get a snack or a bathroom break, you come back and you're like, what the hell just happened? It's now 4-2 to two Mets. And the Mets would hold that lead um, and never look back and route to an eventual 6-3 to three victory. Marte had a big game in this one, uh, like three or four hits, I believe. Um, things did get a little interesting in the ninth inning. Edwin Diaz came on to close it out. He got the final out in the eighth inning and then came out for the ninth um, with a runner on first. Judge grounded out with uh, one out, grounded out to Diaz, who turned and tried to make the play at second base. Newsflash for you, Edwin. You're up by three runs. That runner on first means absolutely nothing. You have to make sure you get an out. He tries to throw to second base, and I see he takes this full windup. I thought he threw the ball into the ground, but upon further replay, he actually just lost the ball going back. Everybody was safe. So I'm thinking, all right, we've got the tying run up at the plate. It's Rizzo. He's hit a home run in this game already. 
And what does Rizzo do? He promptly strikes out on three straight pitches. And the third one was a punch out because it was a half check swing on a pitch totally high and away out of the strike zone. Never should have been trying to swing whatsoever. And then Glaber Torres comes up um, as the Yankees' final hope. And what does he do? Absolutely nothing. One and two to Glaber Torres. for the four-out save, four strikeouts. The Mets with a 4-1 first inning. Home runs from Marte and Escobar. Terrific defense all night long. And the Mets take the opener from the Yankees, 6-3. to three. And you got to love um, Mets fans because Edwin Diaz has been absolutely lights out this year, one of the best closers in baseball. And... It was it wasn't too long ago when they first acquired him that they that this guy was choking every single opportunity he would come in, whether it was safe situation, non-safe situation, and he'd give up runs and and Mets fans hated this guy, get rid of him, trade him, and now they're talk they're talking about him being the second coming. But I guess that's what it's like to be a Mets fan when you're constantly trying to nitpick and find something to hate about somebody. Um, just enjoy the ride, man. This was the um, perfect situation for Edwin Diaz to see if he's got what it takes, if he's got the stones to uh, make it in New York to pitch in a huge Subway series, and he locked it down. Uh, he's been dynamite all year, and, and he gets he seals the victory in Game 1. Game two was much different. Uh, Max Scherzer was going up against Domingo Herman. The Mets had the huge advantage. I had actually texted my brother that I like the Yankees here because it's not very often you're going to get the Yankees in plus money territory. Yankees came into this one plus 150 odds. So, of course, what that means to those of you that are not betters and don't really know how this stuff works, you bet $100 you can win 150. So you would get 250 back, including your own money. You would net profit $150. That's absolutely great value. Even money is usually plus 100, but most of the time the Yankees are minus 200, minus 250, uh, minus 110, things like that, where you're putting down 100 and you're getting way less back in return in your winnings. So I thought it was good value. Um, Herman. In his first start of the season, he didn't get any swings and misses. Listen, it was just one start. He, you know, he he's been injured the last couple of seasons. So I figured um with the Yankee bullpen and whatnot, he wouldn't pitch that long anyway. And he would he would be fine and give them a chance at least. And Scherzer's been really, really good pitching on his 38th birthday on Wednesday. The Mets went up one-nothing in I think maybe the first inning. Um, but Herman did a very decent job. He went four and two thirds, striking out seven. Can't ask for much more than that, but it was Max Scherzer they were going up against, and he was even better. Worked out of multiple jams, had a very low pitch count through most of this game, struck out Aaron Judge three times in this game, something that only one other pitcher has been able to do thus far this year. Uh, if you guessed Frankie Montas, that is the correct answer. Uh, 
but uh, with the Yankees trailing two to nothing in the eighth inning, Glaber Torres came up and he played a little bit of hero ball. Scherzer walked one all night. Peterson walks one. Then a first pitch swing here. Torres deep to right field. Marte does his save. with his 16th home run. And yeah, they're breathing a sigh of relief. Scherzer is gone. It's 2-2. Brand new ball game, and it's Glaber Torres doing it with 101.4 mile per hour off the bat. The pitch that hung in the air five seconds, but most importantly, it was a pitch up and away. Didn't try to do so much to pull it. When he's on, this is what he does. A lot of hitters would think, let's take a pitch until he throws a strike. Labor said, uh-uh. I'm attacking early. Pitch up. Puts that foot down. And ties this ball game with two. Yes. So you heard it there. Peterson walked a batter, and those walks always come back to haunt you. Glaber, first pitch, hits that oppo two-run taco, ties the game, but it would be very short-lived excitement for the New York Yankees, that being there in the top half of the eighth inning. Clay Holmes came on to pitch the bottom half of the eighth inning through like 30 pitches. So, you know, these these guys today, they can't come out and pitch the ninth inning because, oh, that's too many pitches. They bring on Wandy Peralta, who we've seen blown a game. Uh, blew a game right before the All-Star break against Boston. He comes in. First pitch is a changeup. Don't ask me why Eduardo Escobar is sitting on a first pitch changeup. He probably was sitting on a fastball, and the changeup just wasn't that good. He didn't get it low enough in the zone, and Escobar drilled it into the gap for a double. So that's now the winning run um, in the ninth inning. Then Tomas Nito comes up, and he looks like a fish out of water trying to sacrifice bunt Um him over to third base first pitch he bunts it foul um and misses basically it, he, you know he he just totally bad form looks like he's never practiced had a bunt left his kept his left hand at the bottom of the barrel so he had no control too much separation with his hands see that a lot from amateurs got to slide that left hand up on the barrel so it's nice and close to the right hand so you have very good easy movement and he dipped the bat you go low for a, for a pitch, you bend your knees. You don't dip the bat. He completely dipped the bat in the opposite direction that you want it with the with the um, handle part up and the barrel part down, and he fouled it off. Well, the next pitch, if I'm, if I'm calling pitches, I'm calling for a pitch down in the zone. I would have thrown another pitch down, like a changeup low and away, and, and, you know, gotten him to offer at it and miss yet again. But they threw it right down the middle and he bunted it perfectly right, you know, in front of the catcher. It trickled out and the Yankees had no choice but to throw the ball to first base to make to get the first out. And Escobar moved up to third. The next batter came up. That would be, I believe it was Brandon Nimmo back to the top of the order. He grounds out back to the pitcher in this situation just to uh, Peralta's a lefty. So as he pitched, he fell off towards a third base side. It should have been an easier play because that was the side it went to. It, it hit off his glove. He tr he ran after it. I'm screaming, don't throw it, don't throw it, because you know it's just going to end in disaster. He's going to throw this into right field, and they're going to lose just like that. We saw the Mets win a game like that earlier this year. 
against maybe the Reds. Um, and luckily he threw a strike, but Nimmo beat it out and was safe. Escobar, good base running, did not break for home. So first and third, one out. Um, I believe they, oh yeah, and then uh, Starling Marte came to the plate. And he was only one for four, but he had struck out three times against Domingo Herman. He looked very bad against Herman, just not seeing the ball well at all. So you just knew it was like, oh, what a sigh, you know, breathing a sigh of relief. Herman's out of the game. I can face somebody else. And this is what it sounded like. Starling Marte, Lindor on deck if they get to him. came in and shut down the Yankees offense in that top half of the eighth inning after they tied it in the top half of the ninth, giving their offense a chance to win it. The offseason acquisitions have paid huge dividends in the Subway Series. Escobar leadoff double, big home run last night, Starling Marte. RBI single to win it, Max Scherzer seven great innings tonight. Starling Marte. An electric player and a jolt of electricity into this rivalry. A playoff atmosphere and a difference maker type player coming up big in a big spot. Yeah. Um, what pitch do you think Marte hit that uh, single off of to win it? It was another change up. So he gave up the leadoff double on a changeup to Escobar and a game-winning RBI single to Marte on the changeup. Just did not have it um, at all. Got smacked around, and it's just a tough loss for the Yankees who dropped both games in the series. But like I try to explain to my Mets fans, enjoy this win because it means absolutely nothing for us and everything for you. We're 11 and a half games up or so in the division. Um, I know it's been done before. We should be up by a lot more. We dropped a couple games to Boston. We'll see if these games truly mean anything and come back to haunt the Yankees or not later in the year. But if the Mets drop these two games, it definitely could have hurt them because the Braves are, are, you know, quickly running up that track, trying to catch them. Um, notably, this was the first time in the series history that both teams came into the series sitting in first place, respectively, in their divisions. And it's so like the Yankees, right? They couldn't let the Mets, they couldn't give the Mets just one night or really two nights to enjoy, to, to grab the headlines. Oh, Mets sweep, you know, two games, uh, subway series. Nope, because by that night, Wednesday night, the Yankees made headlines once again quickly. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, hours and hours. It was very quickly. It was reported and confirmed shortly after the game ended that the Yankees had acquired all-star outfielder Andrew Benintendi from the Royals in exchange for three minor league prospects. 
Um, the Royals were already in town and set to play the Yankees, so it was a quick and easy transition for Benintendi. This is also the eighth time the Yankees have traded for a player at the deadline that was an all-star that same year. No other team has more than five such instances. Um, and it's very surprising because I've reported either last week or it might have been the week before that. I'm not quite sure, but I reported that the Yankees were going to be out on the Andrew Benintendi sweepstakes. Multiple reporters were, were, were saying that because he was not vaccinated and there were implications. The Yankees were worried that that what that could mean for for facing Tor the Toronto Blue Jays. Um you know, in the playoffs, et cetera. Uh, and if you remember, I did speak about this. The Royals just played the Blue Jays recently. They were without about a quarter of their roster, including Benintendi, because of the vaccine mandate. And the Cardinals are set to play Toronto as well. And they will be without Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado because they are also unvaccinated. It's just a complete BS rule. It's a different country. They shouldn't be allowed to play in a different country uh, if they don't abide by the U.S. MLB rules. Um, but that's just that that's government policy and whatnot. It is what it is. But that's what that's what these guys were reporting. The Yankees were not going to get Benintendi because he was unvaccinated and they were afraid what that would mean for facing the Toronto Blue Jays in the playoffs. Well, apparently the Yankees came out and said they are not worried about, about that caveat as they only play the Blue Jays once more in Toronto this season. Um, but again, if they play them in the playoffs, that's going to be a problem because a couple of those games will be in Toronto. So we'll see what happens. Um, the Yankees didn't make Benintendi get a get the vaccine or anything like that. So Benintendi is still unvaccinated. He made his debut yesterday and was actually batting leadoff. So that's a little weird. You switch clubhouses and immediately you're batting leadoff. He talked about how he got to spend some time um, at night with some of the guys in the hotel and whatnot. Um, he did go 0 for 4 in his debut. However, Pretty much everybody not named Glaber Torres was without a hit into the ninth inning. Jamison Tyone went six scoreless, eight punch outs, dominated. Um, but the Yankees just were, were one hit. Glaber Torres had the only hit going into the ninth inning of a 0-0 tie. Um, like I said, Tyone pitched amazingly, um, but he was even outdueled himself uh, by Royal starting pitcher. Uh, Brady Singer, who went, uh, what? Okay, he went seven innings with 10 strikeouts on 99 pitches and just dominated the Yankees. Well, that was until the ninth inning when, with one out, Benintendi had uh, flew out to left field just in foul territory. So one out, Aaron Judge comes up to the plate after a brutal couple of games against the New York Mets and promptly does this. Fly ball, left center. Taylor on the run, on the track, at the wall. He's done it again. See ya. A walk-off home run by Aaron Judge, and the Yankees win one nothing. <laughs> well, send it to Bob, Michael. You called it. Aaron Judge is 39th. What a way to win the game! A walk-off for Aaron Judge.
So yeah, what a ridiculous season Aaron Judge is having. Hits his 39th home run in his team's first 100 games. Only two players in the history of baseball have hit more home runs in a team's first 100 games. That And it actually occurred in 2001 when Barry Bonds hit 42 and Luis Gonzalez hit 41. And of course, Judge now sitting at 39. He has about seven more home runs than anyone in baseball right now. Um, it's also his third... Um, excuse me. It's also his third walk-off home run of the season, tying Mickey Mantle's 1959 campaign for the most such walk-offs in a season in Yankees history, and he's still got August and September left to go in the season to hit one more walk-off home run and take over that historic all-time record in New York Yankees history. And of course, he's chasing Roger Maris's home run record, 61 home runs. Um, and he's on pace for, I think like 62. So we'll see that number, you know, of course changes every day. And then, um, you know, they're playing again against the Royals tonight and top of the first inning first batter and judge promptly jumps up at the wall in right field and robs a home run. Um, like just, there's nothing this guy can't do right now. Um, he bet on himself and he is going to get paid a boatload of money. I hope the Yankee brass is 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 checking their 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 accounts, moving money around accordingly, um, getting things ready so that they could pay this man um about six hundred million dollars or whatever it's going to take to secure a new contract for Aaron Judge. Um, since his debut in what was it, 2017 or so. Might have been. I know he he wasn't considered um, a rookie because he didn't get enough at bats. Um, but anyway, since his debut, either 2016, 2017, whatever it was, Aaron Judge. There's only one player in Major League Baseball who's not even in the league anymore um, that has more robbed home runs than Aaron Judge, and that would be one Lorenzo Kane, who who just pretty much retired or was DFA'd maybe, or didn't make the team out of spring training with the Brewers earlier this year. So, uh, yeah, he's an elite company. Um, in fact, I heard he was only up seven home runs, but I thought it was a lot more than that. Um, since the All-Star break, he's been just hitting home run after home run. He's got like four or five since the All-Star break. Um, wait a minute. Judge has 40 home runs. Did he hit a home run tonight? Tell me Judge hit a home run tonight. My, uh, Let's see. Let's see. It's three nothing Yankees. If Judge hit another home run today, it's just ridiculous. Ha! Huh, judge hit another home run today. Uh, tack on two more RBIs for the Judge Meister. He's got forty home runs, so he's got eight more than anyone else. He's got eight more than Kyle Schwarber. He's actually got eleven more than anyone else in the American League. That being Jordan Alvarez, um, and. In the RBI category, I know it was like him and Pete Alonso going back and forth, and Alonso had a few in that series against them. Uh, Judge now has 85 RBIs. Pete Alonso has 84. So Aaron Judge is leading Major League Baseball in home runs and RBIs. And where is he in the Triple Crown race for batting average? Let's see. I know he's a lot further down this list, and he's probably not going to catch um, – Luis Arise of the Minnesota Twins, but 
Uh, Benintendi is hitting 316. That's fifth. Yeah, Arise is hitting 333, but these numbers keep dropping. Devers 324. Um, Alejandro Kirk 318. Bogarts 317. Guriel 312. Where's Judge? I know he was like in the 290. Yeah, Judge is batting 294. I mean, it, it, he's not going to catch these guys more than likely, um, but you never know. 333. It's very rare for a guy to hit 333 in today's day and age for a season. Um, like for example, if I click on Luisa Rise's um uh name here and I let it load up, let's see, in his career, let's see what he hit last year. Ready? He didn't hit no 333 last year. Yeah, he hit 294 last year, and he's hitting, you know, he hit 321 and limited time, not as many games the last couple of years, but uh he's never played a full 162 game season arise. So we'll see what happens. Um but yeah judges is flirting with triple crown status. 85 RBIs. It's just insane what this guy's doing. It is incredible. Um he's the he's the clear front runner for MVP. Nobody else is winning MVP over Aaron Judge. Get the heck out of here. He got robbed in his rookie campaign when a cheating Jose Altuve won it over him, which I think was just a disgrace race um but he should get his first mvp this year it's just been unbelievable what he's done all right sticking in uh with, with baseball let's talk about the consensus best player in baseball for the last decade or so although this gap is is starting to to uh close his his own teammate is starting to possibly surpass him um mike trout is now dealing with a very rare back condition. It's not like life-threatening or career-threatening from what I understand, but it's blowing up. People are blowing it out of proportion, if you will. Um, but in what seems like a yearly occurrence, I keep saying this, right around the second half of the year when the, when the Angels are out of the playoff race, Mike Trout gets hurt and he bows out and he misses the rest of the season. And... It, it, you know, I don't know. I can't really fault him um, for that, but whatever he's doing, it's not working. He's not that old. He shouldn't be getting hurt constantly like he does. I know he goes all out, but he's a big jacked up dude. And, you know, the, the guys on MLB Network talked about this. Harold Reynolds talked about this. The guy flips tires in the offseason, in the winter, in workouts. Like, you don't need – baseball is not a sport that you're – running through people and having to get physical and make tackles. This is an NFL where you need to lift heavy weights and do crazy squats and bench press 500 pounds or whatever. Uh, like this is not that type of sport. Okay. This is a sport where you want to be more lean and more cut and you want to be, you want to do more aerobic exercises and, and things and yoga type of stuff to keep your body limber and your muscles flexible and, and your hamstrings and your quads and, and your, you know, your groin muscles and your calves and, and all those good things. Those are what you want to worry about. Not, not your, you know, your chest and, and how much you can bench and all that good stuff and, and flipping tires. That's never a good thing, especially as you get older, he's going to have to really, um, cut down on that type of working out and, and he's going to manage it. So what's going on with Mike Trout? Well, they originally thought about week, week and a half ago, he, he, he thought it was a rib injury. Um, so he got a cortisone shot. I don't think the full effects of that have taken, a, have taken their course yet. But now all of a sudden, um, he's dealing with something that most of us have never heard of, uh, 
costo vertebral dysfunction at his T5, which causes inflammation in the vertebrae. Um, again, it, it's a little bit weird that his training staff and, and people surrounding him with the team came out and just said this because it's started uh, a, a huge media circus, so, you know, and Trout himself had to come out um, and he, he, he commented to Angel's beat reporter, beat writer, and he said that his phone was blowing up. It's not all that serious. He was able to confirm that he will play again this year, although, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. And this is just something that he's going to have to maintain on a daily basis going forward. So again, you know, as you get older, your body starts to break down. You know, you couldn't, you know, when you're a kid, you could just roll out of bed and, and, you know, jump out on the soccer field or on the baseball field. You don't have to do really any stretching and you could run a hundred miles an hour, you know, and just sprint as you get older, you know, you have to exercise, you have to work out before games, you know, maybe get to the field an hour or two earlier. That's what he's going to have to do from now on. He's probably going to, if he gets, you know, for a seven o'clock game, if he's getting there at like two o'clock, maybe he'll have to get there at one o'clock, um, take his time, go through, find a regiment that works for him, get with trainers, really stretch out that back, um, do some band work, whatever you have to do. It's kind of like a player that tears his Achilles or his ACL. They have to, you know, maintain that more going forward throughout their career. They have to work a little bit harder. They have to stretch out a little bit more than, than other guys that haven't had that type of injury. And it only, you know, increases as you get older. Uh, my grandfather's 91 years old and he's been down here in Myrtle beach playing golf uh, four or five times we played and sometimes back to back days. And he's, you know, 91, he's got a bad back. He, you know, he's got arthritis, this and that the man I'm going to bed late at night um, rolling out of bed an hour or so before we have to leave. I'm throwing some food in my stomach, some eggs, some toast, and I'm going out there. I hardly do any stretch and swing the club once or twice and boom, I'm out there going. This man's up early in the morning. He's in the garage. He's lifting 10, 15, 20 pound dumbbells. He's doing exercises. He's doing stretches in the all, all this before he goes out on a golf course for four and a half, five hours in 90 degrees sweltering heat. So this is what I mean. As you get older, if you want to stay fit, if you want to stay healthy, you have to do more. You have to eat less or eat more of the right foods and less of the wrong foods and, and just maintain your body. It's like an oil change that you get every, every, every so often. That's what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to maintain that, that back and, uh, he should be fine. Um, but from what I take out of this from him, it's not all that serious. Um, it, you know, doctor said it is kind of a rare thing, um, but it, it doesn't seem like anything that's going to, um, force him to get any sort of back surgery. If he has to get back surgery, that's going to be concerning. Um, because my brother, my grandfather have both had back surgery and you're never the same if you get back surgery. So something to keep an eye on, uh, but we'll see if trout does play again this season. As he says, um, angels are like 10 and a half games out of the playoff race. So there's really no incentive for trout to play at this point. So again, we'll see if this is more, of the, more of the same with trout or if he does lace it up again before the year's out. All right, we're going to flip thing, flip the switch and talk a little football. Uh, DK Metcalf got himself a new deal. He hold it, He was holding out of a practice that lasted all of like two days. 
the um he called the Seahawks bluff and they paid their 24-year-old star wide receiver who blew up the combine. I'll never forget when I saw this chiseled animal step out on the combine scene out of Ole Miss with the 12-pack abs looking like an absolute chisel. Like, honest to God, he looked like a chiseled beast. I couldn't believe this kid was in college. And he tore the roof off the place at the combine. And then, of course, he slides all the way to the second round. And I was desperately hoping the Jets would take him, but they always miss out on wide receivers, although Elijah Moore looks like a stud. Anyway, um, Metcalf fell to the second round to the Seahawks, and they scooped him up, and he's just been all world since. Of course, he had Russell Wilson throwing him the ball and not Geno Smith or, or or Drew Locke or you know even Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll see what happens there. I doubt that the uh, 49ers will trade him to a division rival, but Metcalf at 24 years old now will get a three-year, $72 million contract extension. This went down late yesterday. The deal gives him top 10 wide receiver money while also ensuring this is a big one. He is going to hit free agency again in his prime in three years when he's 27 years old. So barring any major injuries or anything like that, or a huge steep, you know, decline, he will be a free agent in three years at 27 years old and is likely going to command another huge payday because you have the likes of, you know, Jamar Chase. We're waiting to see what Debo Samuel gets with his new deal. Guys like that, the younger generation of guys, um, they're going to reset the market and command huge deals of money. So Metcalf is going to be looking at another big payday in three years. All right, Live Golf isn't going anywhere. They're actually playing in Bedminster, New Jersey at Trump's course right now at the Pro-Am. I think my brother is going this weekend. He's got tickets, him and the wife. I'm a little bit jealous, but um, yeah. If So they announced new rule, uh, not rules, but new plans for, for next season. This was just a taste. This was the inaugural season, eight events throughout, you know, the, um, throughout the world, starting in London and now mostly in the U.S., they just signed Bubba Watson, who will make his debut in Boston, I think, in in a month or, t- or so in September. Um, but but their plans for next season or next year will be such. They will host 14 events, which is up from the eight of this year, um, with a total of four hundred and five million dollars in purse money. Excuse oh, me. my God. Yeah, that's an average of $28 million per tournament, which is more than any 2022 PGA Tour event not named the Tour Championship. They will also be adding franchises and promotion relegation into the model. Um, I already said Bubba Watson just joined. He's the latest he was given a $50 million signing bonus to join. I think he's fallen off two-time Masters winner, uh, you know, self-taught, played at University of Georgia, has a little bit of a funky swing. He's beloved by pretty much everybody, um, lefty. But he's fallen off the map in recent years, dropped down to, I think, a 149th world ranking. So for $50 million, uh, yeah. I would take it and run as well. And like I said, the Live Pro-Am is going on at Trump's course. Trump has been playing with like Bryson DeChambeau. Some other guys have been there. Um, And of course, 9-11 families are planning to protest the golfer's involvement 
everybody that's involved. Uh, Trump was asking about the protests. He did state that a lot of the money is going to good charities and good causes, which is something that I said from the beginning. Everyone wants to say, oh, it's blood money, you know, and it's sport washing and all this other stuff. But I said from the beginning, this is so much money. These guys are going to donate to these charities. You can't tell me 9-11 families are not going to get some of this money. Trump is a New York City born and bred type of guy, president of the U.S. He looks out for, for you know, uh, Americans whose lives were lost in battle and all that good stuff. And I'm sure, I'm sure that they're going to do right by these people. So just relax. All right. Switch it. Uh, flipping the switch back to baseball for a quick second. This was a cool moment. Julio Rodriguez hit the the sensational rookie for the Seattle Mariners, hit a huge go-ahead three-run homer in the seventh inning of the Mariners' 4-2 win over the Texas Rangers on Wednesday. And he, who did he credit? None other than a new bat that he pulled out before, the, before he went up to the plate. So he was... 0 for 3 or so with the first bat that he was using. So he decided, I'm pulling out another bat. And right before he went up to the plate, he spoke with uh, his manager, Scott Service, and Service um, explained exactly what he said to him. I said some kind of season. Um, and I keep talking about the, the fun, the joy he plays with. But, you know, as he's standing there ready to go up for his that at bat before that, he says, I had to switch bats. I said, ah, I got a new one. He said, yeah, the other one's sleeping. It's a day game. He's not ready to go. <laughs> he took a new bat up there and hit a three-run homer. That's Julio Rodriguez. That's why it's a fun game. And, and uh, he plays like a kid, and, and uh, it's fun to be around every day. But uh, Yeah, so that's the funny thing that you have to remember about this guy. He plays like a kid because he is a kid. He's 21 years old. So my brother um, had some work stuff going on in like Philly area. And he was staying at the Marriott right by the Eagle Stadium with his boss. And his boss was texting him because he was there before my brother. And he was seeing, I guess they were housing a lot of the um, recently uh, drafted players on the Eagles, the rookie class, if you will. Um, and he sent a picture to my brother of one of the players that he saw. And like every, he's saying how everybody is so huge here. And the guy was sitting- Joe. Not answering that. Going to continue. He already called me once during this freaking podcast, and I don't know what he wants, but he's going to have to wait. So anyway, um, I guess he knows I'm talking about him. So basically, moral of the story is these guys are 21 years old, and they're in a new city. They don't know anybody, and the guy was sitting by himself in what looked like you know a little dining area at the hotel or whatever, and he looked miserable. And he's a fish out of water, and they probably have strict curfew and all that good stuff. So you have to remember, Julio Rodriguez is still a kid, but he's having fun. He's having an incredible uh, Rookie of the Year campaign. Now having hit 18 long balls, of course, coming up just short in that um, in that home run derby against Juan Soto. But uh, how can you not love this kid? Okay, the NFL announced a new streaming service, and it's kind of BS. It is going to be called NFL Plus, just like everything that's being called, you know, added, uh, you know, a plus is being added to it and you pay a fee. Um, earlier this week, I think this was Monday that they announced this, a new streaming service called NFL Plus. Okay, what this is essentially 
This is why I call it BS. It's a combination of NFL Game Pass, which, okay, NFL Game Pass is legit. But what they're doing is they're combining it with the free live game streaming fans could access previously via Verizon and Yahoo, as well as other mobile providers and the league's app. So basically, for all of you that play Yahoo Fantasy Football, like me, if I wanted to watch a Sunday night football game, sometimes I'd jump on the Yahoo Fantasy app or I would jump on the Yahoo app because I love the Yahoo app more than I like the ESPN app. And it would always just pop up and you could click on the game and you could watch it right on your phone. You know, you wouldn't have to sign into your provider or anything like that. That is now going away. So there goes the free live games that you will be able to stream on your phone. Because if, you know, a lot of times I'm watching a show or something and I don't feel, I don't really have anything invested too much in that Sunday night game, but I still want to watch it in the background. I would pull it up on my phone or my iPad and I could watch that way. So now I'm just going to use the Optimum app, which lets me watch live TV on my you know phone or tablet, which is no problem, but it's just a little annoying because it was nice and convenient and quick. And I could use the Yahoo app and I could, because we're always going in group chats and stuff with my buddies and our fantasy chat. And sometimes I swipe out of the game. And I go to respond to the chat. And when you swipe out with iOS now, a lot of times YouTube just added this, which is great. It minimizes it to a box so you could still get through your home screen and go to other apps and the video still plays in the background. Optimum has not um, gotten with the times, if you will. And when you swipe out of their app, the video does not continue to play in the background. And then you have to go and load the app back up and then it starts from scratch and then you have to play the video all over again. So it's super annoying and I hate that about it, but that's what I'm going to have to do. Or I'm going to have to pay to get NFL game pass with what, what was free games. Um, and it's going to cost, and this is the best part. So free games are gone. That's over. Never again, at least for now. Uh, the new streaming service is literally only accessible on phones and tablets. That's the big caveat here. That's the big takeaway. You cannot airplay. You cannot mirror. You cannot cast. There will be no airplaying. None of it. It's all blocked. There will, and there will be two different tiers for this. The basic tier, which is not bad. It's $4.99 a month or $39 for the year. And then there's the premium tier, which is $9.99 a month or $79 for the year. And even that's not a terrible price. But when you hear it's only available on phones and tablets, it's a turnoff. I mean, could I connect my iPad to my TV via HDMI? Absolutely. I just pull it out of my, my Apple TV, pop it into my adapter, and I'm good to go. And I could watch Game Pass for 80 bucks or whatever because Game Pass gives you the condensed games. Uh, so I'll get into that. The cheaper tier gives you live, local, and primetime regular season and postseason games on your phone or tablet, live out-of-market preseason games. Woo, I want to watch so many out-of-market preseason games. Uh, you'll get live game audio for all games, which does me no good. Um, that's what Red Zone is for. Thank you. And you will get ad-free access to NFL's library of on-demand content, such as NFL films and NFL network programming. I don't care for that really either. The premium tier now includes everything, which is what I would want, um, that had been NFL Game Pass. Everything from the basic tier, 
plus ad-free full and condensed game replays. Now, this is key. Condensed game replays are, are money. That allows you to watch a full game in 45 minutes condensed. So you could get up before work while you're having your morning coffee and reading the paper. You could watch your team, the Jets. You could watch the Giants. You could watch another game in 45 minutes or less. And you get ad-free all 22, which is that bird's eye view uh, that the players and coaches use to actually break down film um, and the condensed replays. Those go back as far as 2009. I believe during the pandemic, they gave this out for free and I tried to use it, but it was total, excuse me, it was totally broken and it just didn't work really. Um, but it is, it is good. It, when it, you know, it is working. So yeah, that's, that's that NFL plus no more free games. You got to pay boo. Um, one more quick note. This does not, um, it, it has to do with streaming rights and stuff. That's why it's only, um, going to be allowed on phones and tablets and not TVs. It's just weird, uh, NFL streaming rights type of stuff. Um, but this still does not tell us anything about NFL Sunday ticket and whether Apple is still going to acquire it or not. I have my sneaking suspicion that they still are going to be acquiring it, that talks are still going on in the background. And this is going to be one of those 11th hour things sometime in August. I think they will strike a deal, whether it's you know with Apple or whoever, somebody's going to be picking up NFL Sunday ticket. All I seem to be hearing is that it's going to be Apple. Apple keeps trying to get into the um, sports market. They're trying to do stuff now with iOS 16, which will come out in the fall. That's going to allow you to get live updated scores on your lock screen, all sorts of sports related stuff ever since, you know, really the inception of Siri, they've just keep, kept improving stuff with sports. All right. Big signing, uh, yesterday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have signed Julio Jones. I spoke last week about how they had just brought in veteran Kyle Rudolph to a one-year deal. Uh, well, now another sneaky good veteran receiver has just signed on to play with TB12. Julio, widely regarded as the best wide receiver in football over, what, the last 10, 12 years or so, ever since he came into the league out of Bama. Um, he might have really flopped last year in Tennessee, but he also didn't have Tom Brady as his quarterback. He had Ryan Tannehill, and Ryan Tannehill is not Tom Brady. Uh, Brady can rejuvenate pretty much anyone's career, especially one of the greatest wide receivers that I've seen in, in my lifetime. So, uh, yeah, that's a ridiculous wide receiver room now. You've got Godwin. You've got Mike Evans. You've now got Julio Jones. You've got Cameron Brait. You've got Kyle Rudolph. I mean, it, it, it's going to be stacked. I know we're hearing things that um, Leonard Fournette has blown up to, like, beyond Zion Williamson type weight levels, but he's working hard, getting back in shape. We'll see. The Bucks are not going anywhere. They're they're going to be just fine. All right. Uh, I hinted to this one at the beginning of the show, the Jamarcus Russell clause that was added to, well, that's what I'm calling it, that was added to Kyler Murray's contract has blown up all over social media. So last week I reported on the new deal Murray got for what, $230 million. There was a lot of back and forth in the off season, his agent, we want more money. We want a new contract. We want to get big time money. The Cardinals, we weren't sure if they were fully invested. There were some question marks around his commitment, that being Kyler Murray's from the team, from brass. Um, 
Maybe he doesn't work as hard. He's playing too much Call of Duty, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't take his job all that seriously. And then boom, they pay him all this money. Well, it came out now that they added this independent study, air quotes, clause into this contract, which means, what does that mean? Well, it means that he will have to complete at least four hours of independent, it's homework. He has to complete four hours of studying before each week's game, watching film, whatever that means, etc. Additionally, the team will provide the study material and time spent in team meetings for normal game prep will not count towards the four hours. And they're going to monitor his iPad usage to ensure he avoids activity that might distract his attention. That was actually the language they used in the contract, distract his attention while he does the independent study. Um, and naturally, because this has now gone viral, the Cardinals came out, said it was taken the wrong way. They have the utmost faith in Kyler. He's a hard worker, blah, blah, blah. And they have since removed the clause from the contract. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, Kyler even came out, guns a-blazing, and spoke to the media yesterday saying he thought it was very disrespectful that people think he doesn't take the sport seriously and that people think he could make it to this level without working hard. He said he's not 6'5". Um, he went 43 and 0 in high school. He's like, that's not easy, even though nobody's ever done it. Um, he was a Heisman winner. He was dra drafted first overall in the NFL, ninth overall in MLB. Nobody's ever done that. So to think that he doesn't work hard was laughable and he thought totally disrespectful, which in some capacity, yes. But he was also quoted as saying that he doesn't need to spend 30 hours watching film and that most things come easy to him football related. So he kind of put this on himself and it was the Cardinals that put this clause in. Nobody else said Kyler wasn't working hard except the Cardinals, because if you put this clause in there, you're saying that you don't like something that he's doing. So they took it out now and it's just, it is what it is. But uh, either way, it's a terrible look for both Kyler Murray because it paints him as somebody that they don't really trust as a hard worker, thus the Jamarcus Russell effect, which I just called it. And it looks bad for the Cardinals as well. Um, but again, the damage is done. And when I call this the Jamar Jamarcus Russell effect or Jamarcus Russell clause, what I necessarily mean by that is if you don't already know, Jamarcus Russell was the number one overall pick by the Oakland Raiders way back when. Um, in the you know early to mid 2000s out of LSU and he was the biggest one of the biggest busts in NFL history probably right up there with Ryan Leaf the Raiders um knew he this guy wasn't wasn't trying I think he got like 40 million which at the time for a rookie signing bonus was just unbelievable and they knew this guy wasn't working hard. He wasn't studying. He wasn't preparing for teams. So the Raiders would give him, I think the offensive coordinator was giving him blank CDs or DVDs. He would tell him to go watch them, pick out a handful of plays. Maybe there's 15, 20 plays on there. Pick out a handful that, you know, they could use practice over the next couple of days to use for the upcoming game. Okay. Jamarcus would come back. He would take the DVD, come back the next day. Coach would be like, Hey, Jamarcus, what'd you think of, of the video? What'd you think of the plays? Oh yeah. I loved it. I, lo I love them all coach. Oh, let's go. We could do them all. And that's when the coaches knew that he was BSing them because there were no plays on the DVDs as those DVDs they were handing him were completely blank. So Jamarcus Russell wasn't even putting them in the DVD player or the, or the computer 
and testing to see if there was anything even on them. He was taking it in and throwing it in his backpack and never taking it out to check it. So the fact that they put this in there confirms to me and the rest of us that the Cardinals think Kyler Murray is spending too much time on Twitch, trying to become a pro Call of Duty player or Fortnite player, whatever he's into. And, you know, he, he maybe needs to spend a little bit more time studying. Um, But again, it remains to be seen. He won AL rookie, offensive rookie of the year. Uh, he's going to be without DeAndre Hopkins, though. So we'll see how this team, how this team drives. Uh, this could go one of two ways. It could be go drastically terribly, and Kyler Murray is asking for a trade immediately, or this could go swimmingly. And by a, end of the year, nobody remembers this. They'll get DeAndre Hopkins back. They'll make a playoff push, and maybe they'll go to an NFC Championship game and come just short of a Super Bowl. Who knows? Or maybe they'll freaking win a Super Bowl. I don't know. Only time will tell, but just a very bizarre uh, week or so with this contract and the news that, you know, it was uh, spurring. Uh, Other contract news, another weird one uh, broke yesterday, this one in basketball. And it has to do with Zion Williamson. He also has a weird clause that was put into his contract. Now, when they paid Zion this big money, he's kind of been a bust thus far as the number one overall pick, barely played last year. Weight has always been an issue with him, especially last year. It's why he's getting hurt. Uh, he's got to slim down, yada, yada, yada. That We all saw the pictures. Well, they actually put a weight clause in this contract, essentially. So, the Pelicans are trying to obviously protect themselves. And I did say they were going to do this because it was staggering that they were going to pay him. But I said they would put some, you know, something in there to, to protect themselves. And this is it. They added a clause that will require Zion Williamson to have periodic, periodic weigh-ins, which will determine how much guaranteed money remains in the deal. Wow. Wow. I've never heard of anything like this, but things must be pretty bad if they have to constantly weigh this man to see how much they're going to pay him. And if I'm Zion Williamson, it's put up or shut up time. Put away the French fries, put away the Big Macs, and get to work. Get on a good, strict diet. Get yourself a personal chef that practically lives with you, meal prep, and you can make. Anything tastes good. I've seen a documentary. I forget who it was. Tennessee Titans, his his linebacker. was It, it might have been Witherspoon. I don't re- quite remember. This man's wife was a professional chef. She was making them. Everything was vegan, 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 vegan. She had the whole team on this diet. I mean, on this meal prep. It was ridiculous. Cauliflower wings. These things look like real freaking crispy buffalo chicken wings. I mean, it was it was vegan mac and cheese. These these were they were eaten like kings, and it was all healthy, vegan friendly food. No high saturated fats, high salt content, high sugar content. Got to cut all that stuff out, and that's what Zion needs to do. I I remember greatly Mark Teixeira, uh, Hall of Fame first baseman, switch hitter, one of the best switch hitters of all time. Played for the Braves, played for the Yankees, played for Texas, and. During his time playing, I remember because he, after his playing career with the Yankees was over and he retired, he got into some broadcasting and whatnot. And 
during his playing career, during the season, Mark Teixeira would not eat gluten. And this was even before gluten was like seen as this bad thing, but you know, they have nutritionists and all the best uh, people and dietitians to tell them all this stuff. He would not eat gluten during the season because gluten fattens you up, makes you more lethargic, you know, whatever. So he wouldn't eat gluten during the season and he would stay in shape. And then after the season's over in the off season, he would eat it. He would eat his bagels, his bread, you know, whatever. But during the season, he would stay within that narrow health plan and that meal plan that worked for him and kept him in shape and kept him healthy and physically fit to play and not get hurt. And that's exactly what Zion needs to do. If he wants to indulge a little bit and eat a donut or 12 or whatever, do it in the off season, but you better be ready by training camp and you better be at that weight that you're supposed to be and start getting into shape. This cannot be a reoccurring thing where, where where you turn into a Jamarcus Russell or you turn into, you know, one of these guys that flails and doesn't make it because you got too fat and you failed out of the league. That just is unacceptable. I just don't get how that can happen. All right, enough on that. Um, David Ortiz was inducted into the Hall of Fame on Sunday, three-time World Series champ and possibly possibly the greatest. And if not the greatest, he's on the short list of greatest DHs of all time. He got in narrowly with 77.9% of the vote. Um, he has long been linked to steroids, but officially nothing's ever been proven. He's never really tested positive. Um, one other big note, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds did not get in, thus exhausting their 10 years of eligibility. So they will never, that's it. They're done. Uh, they'll never be in the Hall of Fame. I know Roger Clemens has spoke many times. He's fine with it. It is what it is because they, of course, link to steroids and whatnot. Um, so, yeah. David Ortiz into the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, not. Um, some sad news to report out of the NFL. Uh, just a rookie, just drafted in the second round. One of my favorite wide receivers coming out um, out of Alabama and that would be Texans rookie wide receiver John Michi the third. He announced Sunday on social media that he was diagnosed with acute pro. All right, let me. I'm going to try to pronounce this right. Acute pro myeliocytic leukemia. I believe that's how you say it. Acute pro myeliocytic leukemia. It will likely sideline him for the entire 2022 season. Um, I hope it does sideline him. And I mean that in a good way. Like you do what you got to do, get your treatment, um, do, do what's best and, and get healthy so you can come back. You have your, your youth on your side. That's help. That's helping you. Um, which is a good sign. Um, I'm going to read something my friend told me cause he's a doctor. He's been on the show before. Um, he's in, uh, his residency program right now. So he knows this stuff more than I do. So I texted him about it and he gave me a response. Uh, the good news is that if there is good news in this situation, this is the most curable form of leukemia, which which is which is good. Um, so he told me, um, what this means is his red blood cells are cells are growing in number uh, too fast. So the acute part means that it's the precursor cells that turn into red blood cells that are too much in number. 
So yeah, that's what that means in, in medical terms and scientific terms. Uh, tough couple years, or really a tough year for Michi. Uh, he tore his ACL, of course, in that SEC championship game um, in December, early December. And that's why he fell to the second round of this year's draft. And many said it was a great pickup by the, by, by the Texans. Um, I thought it was a great pickup. And unfortunately, now... You know he's gonna be, he's gonna recover from that ACL, which is good. Uh, but he's gonna have to get his treatments, and hopefully uh, they can sort of put this into remission, and he could come back, uh, you know, stronger and better than ever. So here's to wishing John Michi the third a speedy, healthy, and happy recovery in his fight against cancer. And finally, I have a little update on Brittany Griner. The U.S. has now, for the first time, publicly come out and offered a prisoner swap with Russia in exchange for Brittany Griner's release. They want Brittany Griner, uh, excuse me, the Americans, the U.S. government, they want to give over a, a former Russian arms dealer in exchange for two Americans, including Brittany Griner. Um, the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, said he spoke to Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov by phone. Today, in the highest level known contact between the two sides since Russia invaded Ukraine, blah, 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 blah. The U.S. is offering up Russian arms dealer Victor Bout, once labeled the Merchant of Death. It's unbelievable. Uh, he was sentenced to 25 years in prison in 2012 on charges that he schemed to illegally sell millions in weapons. Uh, yeah, he schemed to illegally sell millions in weapons. The Merchant of Death, facing 25 years in prison versus a woman that had some weed in a foreign country that she wasn't supposed to have. We want to give this guy back to Russia, and we want to get Brittany Griner back, as well as uh, this other guy who is being detained uh, wrongfully as well, according to the U.S., whatever crimes they're saying he committed. The U.S. says no way. So they want to exchange one guy for two. <laughs> well, this is the funny part. Russia apparently is not satisfied with that. They want the U.S. to add in former colonel, uh, a former colonel from the country's domestic spy agency who was convicted of murder last year in Germany. Oh, great. Only one problem with that. The U.S. says it's not feasible at all. They're not even entertaining it because the U.S. doesn't even have this guy. He's being detained in Germany. So why they're asking the U.S. for this guy, I don't know. Um, but I guess they're trying to get the U.S., who's an ally of Germany, to go to them. And I get, I don't know, whatever. Uh, I'm not all about the politics, but the U.S. wants Brittany Griner and the other guy back, and they want a one-for-two swap, which I think is very reasonable because this guy is the merchant of death, serving 25 years. Griner's serving up to a 10-year sentence, possibly. Um, so we'll see. That That's the latest update. Um, who knows what? If I'll be gray before we get before we get her back at this rate. Like it's ridiculous. Um, but that's your latest update. And, uh, I'll keep updating you each week as more information comes through that actually came through today. Exactly. Okay. And then finally on this date in sports, I, I struggled a bit to find something for today, but it was, uh, July 29th, 1948. This was Babe Ruth when he made his pretty much final public appearance attending the premiere for his movie, The Babe Ruth Story, which the title says all you need to know. It was a biopic about his life 
Uh, the movie starred William Bendix in the title role. Um, he he really bore no resemblance to Babe Ruth, but he gave a ridiculously over-the-top performance. And, uh, you know, this was the movie where he he uh, portrayed uh, Babe Ruth as this dim-witted um, type of guy, but he was able to heal sick and disabled children. It was just a wildly funny and crazy, crazy type of a movie. Um, yeah, and then I guess... It was shortly thereafter that uh, Babe Ruth died. Um, so interesting one for today. Um, yeah, but that's pretty much it. Um, kind of at the hour and eight minute mark here. So uh, I'm pretty much going to end it. Oh, God, the Yankees are now losing five to three. They had a three nothing lead. I don't know what's going on there. Baseball throughout the weekend. Uh, keep an eye on that. Um what else is going on? Uh, oh, trade the MLB trade deadline, of course, is Tuesday. So we'll see. Uh, I saw Jeff Passan said it, it's more likely than not that Juan Soto gets traded. I'm hearing San Diego is the best uh, destination that he will probably go to. Um, they're like 17th in batting average. They need help drastically, and Soto can help them. So it was the Cardinals. It was sounding like now all of a sudden it looks like it shifted to San Diego. I really was hoping the Yankees would get in on this mix, but getting Benintendi really um, shuts the door on that notion. Uh, what else is going on? Um, let's see. Um, yeah, I'm not just, I'm not, I'm, going to wrap it up. Um, like I said, you got the captain. You can watch that. There's some new shows. It's Friday. There's some new stuff on Netflix, Amazon prime, um, Apple TV plus, et cetera. We're hitting that final stride. July is over. Now we're getting closer. Monday starts August, um, which really s signifies the end of summer for me. Um, just because August it goes by so fast, it's like, oh, we're back to work. It's September already. Uh, school's back. Um, but yeah, that's going to pretty much wrap this episode up, guys. I hope you enjoyed another one from South Carolina. Next week, I will be back in New Jersey in my studio recording this. Um, so, but it's been fun. Um, I've enjoyed my summer down here. Got to play some good golf. So that's been fun. Um, and I guess I'll see y'all on the flip side next week back in Jersey from my studio. I'm the Pody. You've been listening to episode 79, and I'm signing off. Take care. Mm -hmm.